0: read it Philippians chapter 4 this is our third message in a series from specifically from Philippians chapter 4 and we call it lessons from a lockdown and and the idea is that Paul is Paul is dealing with believers who were struggling through circum some circumstances and Paul knew something about limiting circumstances he knew something about difficult circumstances And he went through his own lockdowns in life, and uh, much of what is recorded about him and much of what he wrote was from a prison cell or from circumstances of being confined or being limited. And so these are truths that can help us. Tonight we're dealing with verse number eight, but we're going to begin in verse number one just so we can keep the context in mind. I'll review just briefly some of the things that we've talked about in the previous messages, and then we'll get into uh, the thought for tonight. So, in verse number 1 of Philippians 4, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Iodias and beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, Help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise... Think on these things. So the title for tonight, the thought for tonight is this, Triumphant Thinking. Triumphant Thinking. I'll pray one more time and then you can be seated. Father, you've already blessed us and I pray that you would help us tonight as we get into the Word of God that it would be accurately and properly communicated and represented and that we would be honest with you and with ourselves and that you would help us in this area of our thoughts and help us to take steps, God. As you deal with us, help us to take steps to get our thought life in order where it needs to be. It, it matters all the time, God. And so would you help us with this tonight? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. Now, just so that we can remember where we've been The text begins with Paul addressing two sisters in Christ who were at odds with each other. And it's not uncommon for believers, for families of faith, to be at odds with each other. But it's a problem when it's not resolved the right way and when it spills over. And you need to remember that when you are at odds with people within your family or within a church family... That if it's not dealt with properly, it is going to spill over. And this particular strife had spilled over to the point that the Apostle Paul from a distance was hearing about it. And he was having to address it. And he reminded them as we talked about, there are going to be circumstances that you can't control. And, and we don't know the specific thing that these two sisters were upset with each other about. But you can sum it up this way they weren't getting things the way that they wanted them. One had one opinion, the other had another opinion, and there was strife, strife over that, over who was right, over the best way to deal with something, over what should be done, and that strife was consuming and devouring their relationship and affecting others. And so Paul reminded them, as he reminds us, when things aren't going the way that we want, and when there can be strife around us or difficulties that we're dealing with, you need to focus on who you have and focus on what you can control. You always have Jesus, and, no, and sometimes we just get focused on the things that we don't like or can't control and fail to focus on the things that we still have control over. The second lesson that we learned was that the right kind of prayer produces divine peace, peace that the text describes. As passing understanding that will keep us, that will shelter us, that will protect us from the insanity that might be going on around us. And so we need to make sure that we are praying the right way and that when we do that we'll have peace with each other as these sisters need it. The right kind of prayer life will help God's people to be at peace with each other. It will help husbands and wives to be at peace with each other. It will help parents and kids to be at peace with each other. It will help families and church families and communities to be at peace with each other when the right kind of prayer to God is taking place. And then it will help you to have peace through difficult circumstances. No, I'm convinced that there's a whole lot of people dealing with a whole lot of anxiety and fear And that could be greatly decreased or lessened if people, if God's people were praying like they needed to be. But then Paul goes on to reveal another layer to successfully navigating in this context the strife among believers, how to prevent it, how to work through it and overcome it. And then also we can take these principles and we can understand that they'll be helpful in assisting us. In enabling us to navigate, to overcome, to work through the strifes and the difficulties that we face in our time. Let me give you an example as we get into talking about ourselves. I did this with Andrea, and then later, a couple of weeks later, I did it with Alexandra. As the stay-at-home orders were issued... And the coronavirus was consuming every single national narrative that was taking place. I got onto a website, a news website that I frequent, and I don't frequent it to develop my opinions from it. I just want to see what people are talking about and what they're saying about. And you need to be careful when you're watching the news and listening to different news sources that you always listen and with a grain of salt, and you always learn to think the right way and ask the right kind of questions. But I went through these headlines, and there were 25 main headlines. And so I asked Andrea to keep count, and we went through, and out of the 25 headlines, 24 had something specific, to, had some specific angle about the coronavirus. I, when I did that same exercise with Alexandra a week or two later, it was still a very high percentage in the 20s um, uh, again. And it's all people are talking about today. It's all people are thinking about. It's all people focus on. And, and I understand that it's, it's hard not to only think about that, and it's hard not to exclusively focus on that. But this excessive focus, and then in many cases, inaccurate or unprovable claims or information about it, has resulted in people behaving in some very unhealthy and strange ways. And you say, well, what are you talking about? Well, the wrong kind of thinking led people to buy toilet paper as though there would never ever be another roll of toilet paper made. And so when we're not controlling, not just what we think about, but how we think about it, and how much we think about it, it can be detrimental to us, and it can be detrimental to the people that are around us. So, please stay with me as I give you a few points from the text. Number one, point number one is this, your thoughts matter. Now, a lot of times we have this idea that what I'm thinking really doesn't matter to anybody, and it doesn't affect anybody, and it doesn't change anything. But your thoughts matter, and here's the first evidence from Scripture, from our text tonight, that they matter. They matter because God talks about them in this passage. And God wouldn't talk about your thoughts if what you thought about on a consistent basis didn't matter. Your thoughts do matter. In addition to the fact that God addresses them, not just here, But in other places as well, you could look at a text like Proverbs 23.7, I believe, and find that there are other texts that talk about what we think and its importance, not only here, but there are also multiple studies that are done by psychiatrists and by scientists, by doctors, and they indicate that what you think about significantly affects your health, your emotional well-being, and your decision-making. And those studies and the information and the results of them are easily available if you want to do a little bit of research, but it is a known fact, it has been observed that that what we think about and how we think about it and how much we think about it does affect our decision making, it affects our emotional well-being, it's even proven to affect your blood pressure and other parts of your health as well. Let me reference a couple of examples in Scripture of where thoughts affected people's actions and people's well-beings, and it further proves the fact that your, the effect of your thoughts is not just limited to you, but it affects everyone around you, both a negative and a positive example tonight. The nev- negative example would be one that you're all very familiar with, David. Now I've used this to try to help people that if all David did was stand on the wall and think inappropriate thoughts, but then admitted that those thoughts were wrong and take a different course of action, then that story would have turned out completely different. But he did not control his thoughts. He allowed the thoughts of selfishness and lust and gratification to consume him And those thoughts resulted in a very specific action. The action that David took that night were a reflection of what he was thinking about. I don't believe for a moment that David got up that day and then got up that night with the intention of how he could sin in one of the worst possible ways before God and bring all kinds of havoc upon his family. And all kinds of detriment upon the kingdom. I don't think he got up intending to do that. But once you start thinking about something. You think about it long enough. And you think about it over and over again. Without ever changing or controlling. Or trying to examine your thoughts in light of truth. Then it's going to produce action. And it did with David. A positive example would be this. It would be Joseph the man that was espoused to Mary before Jesus was born. If you go to the Gospels and study the account, it says, I believe in Luke, it says that Joseph, when he found out Mary was with child, he was minded to put her away privately. But then it says this, while he thought on these things. Well, look, I understand that God spoke to him, but God had the opportunity to speak to him because he didn't act with, uh, without Thinking, He took the time to think, he took the the time to consider this from every possible angle and to make sure he was thinking properly and in that moment, because he was trying to think the right way, God spoke to him and helped to give him clarity about those things. Telling you tonight, your thoughts matter. And there's a a whole lot of men that want to say, "Eh, as long as me thinking about things, it really doesn't hurt anybody else. Maybe not in this moment, but if those thoughts aren't brought under check, then it will produce actions. It will affect things that will hurt other people down the road. You say, oh, these thoughts that I'm thinking about as a wife, these thoughts that I'm thinking about as a lady, these attitudes of bitterness or resentment, they really don't affect anybody else. No, they, they might not be right now, but if they're left unchecked and they're not dealt with, it will eventually produce actions that will hurt other people. You know, we we want to think our thoughts don't matter, but in fact they do. Number two, second point is this, there is a standard for your thoughts. I'm so thankful for the Word of God that He doesn't just tell us what matters, He tells us the things that matter, what they should look like. And He gives us a standard for our thinking in verse number eight. The list is this. I'll go through it quickly. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. These are very basic and brief definitions, but I want to briefly summarize these things. True, whatsoever things are true, that's in accordance with fact or reality. Let's be honest that sometimes we can think a lot of things that aren't true. Sometimes we can suppose a lot of things, and then have these imaginary conversations that turn out to be completely inaccurate, true, in accordance with fact or reality. Number two, honest, meaning free of deceit or sincere, not having, not having some ulterior motive behind it, just. That would have to do with what is morally right, behaving or based on what is morally proper. Pure, not mixed or adulterated with any other substance, meaning I am controlling how I'm thinking about something, and uh, I'm not allowing my thoughts about this to be contaminated with every other possible thing or improper thing. Lovely has to do with something that is beautiful. Of good report would be those things that are dignified or honorable, virtue would be refer to high moral standard, praise, those things that are worthy of being admired, those things that are worthy of being lifted up. If I could reference the title, these words describe thinking that is triumphant. This is triumphant thinking. This, is, this kind of thinking that is described in verse number 8 is in contrast to what consumes the minds of many people today. Pride. You say, come on, pastor, how how can you say that pride consumes a lot of people? Well, just observe how people behave. Since right now we are limited to live streaming our services, you spend any time perusing uh, the different platforms of social networking, you'll find that people are consumed with themselves. And look, I'm all for Facebook and Twitter, and Instagram, and whatever other platforms there are. I'm all for it being used for the purpose of edifying and building up and communicating and helping. But by and large, and this is observable, people use it to magnify themselves. And people, we are consumed with ourselves. Our behavior, our interaction with each other, it indicates that I am the most important thing that exists on the earth right now. Pride. Lies. Look, I'm not, I'm not getting into the depths of all of this. It's not the time nor the place. But any mild observation of political leaders and of new, news agencies and of people in positions of power that have an agenda, and it doesn't take a, a whole lot of investigation to see that people are trying to manipulate different circumstances for their own gain. And they're not really as concerned with the truth and what is helpful as they are with accomplishing their own agenda. And so they will say anything in order to accomplish that. Lies. People's minds are consumed with vengeance. How am I going to get even with you? How am I going to get what I want? How am I going to get back with you? Hate. Lust. It's not necessary tonight, but you could, I could pull out the figures of pornography and the amount of money that is being spent on that and how much of uh, time and energy is poured into base and godless gratification outside of the parameters that God has established for those sorts of things we're consu- we're consumed with thinking about those things covetousness greed in a in a time that is going to get and I don't I don't know how far, and I'm not trying to make some kind of ridiculous claim, but it's just, it's observable. The longer our economy goes like this, the greater and longer lasting the ramifications of it are going to be. And there will be lots of opportunities in the days ahead to help one another. And I I hope and pray that the, the damage is limited But we don't know what that looks like. And yet, there are people who will seek to use these times of crisis and hardship to gain for themselves and to take advantage for themselves. This list that we read in verse number eight is what should be true of a person who names the name of Jesus Christ. It is above the pride it is above the lust it is above the hate it is above the vengeance it is above the greed it is above the covetousness and when a when a people when a nation when a community is consumed in their thoughts with only what pleases them or only their own priorities god's people ought to be thinking on a higher level they ought to be thinking on a divine level this is these these descriptive words are an indication of how God thinks. You say, well, is there any proof of that in Scripture? How about John 3.16? For God so loved. God, we first loved Him because He first loved us. God didn't just accidentally produce the redemptive plan. God thought it out. Not as though He had to think through it, but it was deliberately out of Him. He produced it from his own heart and from his own infinite being. He produced these wonderful truths that we call salvation. He thinks on a different level and his people ought to think think on a different level. Now, don't misunderstand. This doesn't mean that everything that you go through or have to think about is easy. There are challenging things that we have to think through. You have to think through sickness You have to think through disagreements. You have to think through tough choices. You have to think through hard decisions. You have to think through heartache. You have to think through regret. You have to think through sin. And and how do we deal with this? How do I overcome this? How do I recover from this? We have to think through times like this. And believe me, I know it's on your minds and it's on my mind every day. How... How does our church not just navigate this immediate situation, but how do we navigate the fallout when, God willing, these restrictions begin to be lifted? And what, is, what does our church life look like? There are some hard things to think about. But even when you're thinking about the hard things, there is a true and honest and a right and a lovely and a beautiful way to think about the hard things. And we've got to make sure That when our thoughts don't line up and measure up to the standard that God has established, that we're willing to admit that and work at changing them. Remember the point. There is a standard for our thoughts. It's established by God. And when my thoughts don't measure up to the standard that God has, then I need to admit that I'm wrong and I need to begin to think, work at thinking a different way. Number three, thoughts are chosen. Look at verse number eight again. He gives the list. And then he concludes with this phrase at the end of verse eight. Think on these things. You know what he's saying? You have a choice. And therefore, I am giving you this command. Take control of your thoughts. I was reading an article about thinking. And the author of the article made this statement. It seems interesting that we are so focused on counting our steps. All right, be honest. How many of you count your steps? Uh, what's your goal? You got a goal of 5,000. You got a goal of 10,000. You got a goal of 30,000. Doing lots of laps between the kitchen and the living room. Going, to the, going back to the bedroom over and over again. we, We put an emphasis on counting our steps, and yet this author goes on to say this, yet we do not apply the same rigor to tracking our thoughts. Isn't it amazing how much effort we put into so many areas of our life, into tracking our time, into tracking our finances, into tracking our workload and our productiveness, into tracking our physical exercise, We put all this effort into tracking these different areas, and yet when it comes to the internal area that can affect all those other areas, we can be so negligent at times. I want to remind you that your thoughts are your responsibility. Uh, There is this human propensity to blame as much as we can that is wrong with us on as many other things outside of us as possible. And the same thing can be true of our thoughts. Well, pastor, I wouldn't think these things if my wife wasn't that way. Or pastor, I wouldn't be struggling with this temptation if my husband wasn't that way. Or pastor, I wouldn't be thinking these angry thoughts if my boss wasn't that way. Or pastor, I wouldn't be thinking these thoughts about depression or suicide if I hadn't been through these kind of difficult circumstances. You need to be reminded that according to the Word of God... God expects you to take responsibility for what you think about. Think on these things. Your thoughts matter. And he gives us the standard for what matters. And then he implores us to take control and to work at thinking on things that not only will glorify him, but that will be helpful to us through any measure of difficult circumstances. Look, you can't control Everything that goes on around you, but you can control how you think about it. Let's use the coronavirus for a moment. Okay, you know me, I don't even need to say this, but I'm going to say it. None of you are going to be surprised by this statement. I don't agree with everything that's been done with this in response to this. Let me tell you how much that matters. I can't control everything that's gone on. I can't control decisions that are being made. I can't control all of these things. Let me tell you, me tell you this. and it has caused a lot of fear. It has caused some devastating loss in people's lives. I can't control all of those things. Here's what I can control, how I think about it. Say, what do you mean, pastor, how you think about it? Well, how about number one? Let me just start with me. God didn't put me in charge of a nation. God didn't put me in charge of a city, a state. God allows me to be a husband to an amazing wife, a father to amazing children, and a pastor to an amazing church family. So I've got to admit where I am and am not in control. And God put me there. How about this? God is still in control, and it, people can get really afraid right now and can get really depressed, and I've struggled with some of those same emotions, but I just want to remind you that you can—you need to think through this through the lens of God is still in control, but, but I'm really worried about these financial things, and I'm concerned about them, but I remember God is in control. I'm really concerned about the health of my parents, as am I. If they're listening tonight, my dad and mom are getting old. Old. And my, my dad's old, and he's a mailman. Man, man he's, he's, all, he's all over those germs right now. And I'm con- I am legitimately, I say that to be silly, but I am legitimately concerned about them. I'm concerned about the health of my children. I'm concerned about the health of every single person that has been to one service here. I'm concerned not just about them, but I'm concerned about your families as well. But then I have to remember God is in control. You see, sometimes we act in fear as though God didn't know this was coming. He did. We need to think the right way. How, how about this? Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. You know what I'm so encouraged by, by the way many of you are reaching out to each other is this. You're not allowing your concern for your own family to prevent you from caring for others the way that you ought to. No, there's a right way to think about this. I've got no problem. I encourage people, in fact, to take the necessary precautions that they feel they ought to take. But you never have license To take a day off from being obedient to the word of God. And so whatever precautions you take, you better find a way to be concerned about others through those precautions. And so many of you are doing that. And I'm thankful for that. That is called taking control of your thinking. Not being a victim to circumstances when you are thinking. Not only that, but you need to take control of how much you think about something. I gave the example at the beginning of the news feed. Don't spend all day thinking about coronavirus. You know, I, I'm guilty of this. I'm at least guilty of struggling with it. I, when I go to bed at night, it's on my brain. When I wake up, it's on my brain. It's on my brain for a lot of reasons. It's on my brain because I'm concerned about you. I'm concerned about our church family. I'm concerned about people's welfare. I'm concerned about people's health. I'm concerned about people's jobs. And every day I can wake up and I can, I can be consumed with this. But there's some other good things that are still going on. We read about a missionary tonight that's still doing the work. Man, people can still get saved. Isn't this amazing that during the coronavirus, people can still get saved? That people could still tune into a service and be drawn closer to God. That people could still hear the gospel from you through some uh, social networking platform, and, and still get saved, that people could be encouraged through a text message, that people could be helped, that people could meet a need. We've got a box out here in the foyer of the office where our own church family is bringing in goods that we're going to give to a specific charity to help some folks. There's a lot of other good things that are going on that we need to make sure we're not forgetting about. Man, I have an amazing wife I need to be thinking about. It's amazing how we can fail to think about the good things that are right in front of us. And I can get so consumed with this stuff that I can't control that I forget about the blessing named Andrea Pyle that has been with me for almost 19 years through all kinds of different crazy circumstances. I've got eight amazing blessings in my house that I can think about. I have an amazing church family, friends that I can think about. And we get so consumed with, man, coronavirus this and coronavirus that. And I've got to check in with what this governor's debriefing and what the president's debriefing and what the WHO organization is debriefing and what China's doing and what everybody else is doing. And you can just go crazy thinking about it. You need to control not just what you think about, but how much you think about certain things. Let me, let me apply that to some other areas. Please stay with me. Please stay with me. You need to be careful about how much you think about past failures. Think on these things. No, look, there's some failures that are serious and that have serious consequences. But this would be truth: that if you have made it right, if you have admitted your sin to God and tried to restore yourself to other people, God has forgiven you. It's under the blood, and you, you can know, you, you, God has taken care of that. And uh, there's a whole lot of believers that handicap themselves moving forward because they won't stop thinking about past failures. If God forgave you for it, then let him forgive you for it. Allow it to be done. And some of you, dear children of God, you need to get out of the shadow of your own mistakes. And you need to move forward in the light of Jesus Christ. But you won't let yourself because you're constantly consumed with your own, the thoughts of your own failure. Some of you need to apply this to your thoughts about other people's failure. It, some of you have been seriously hurt. Some of you have been moderately hurt, if that's such a description. You know the medical chart with the faces, 0 to 10. Some of you are way on a 10. Some of you are on a 3. Some of you are at a 0. I don't care. But you've been, you've been seriously hurt. And that person's tried to make it right with you. And that person is trying to move forward. And if you're not careful, you can allow the things that have hurt you in the past to continue to affect the way that you act now. Because you only think about that. You just think about it over and over and over. Instead of trusting God, this still hurts, but I'm asking you to give me grace. And I'm choosing to think on things that are true and that are good and that are helpful. And to remember that I still have good in my life. You need to control not just what you think about, but how much you think about certain things. Deal with random thoughts that are wrong. Set aside time to think and put good things in your mind to think about. Here's the statement. Triumphant thinking will help to produce triumphant living. When God's people will be serious about thinking the right way, then behaving the right way will be accomplished. Let me run through those things I mentioned right before I gave you this statement. Triumphant thinking helps to produce triumphant living. Number one, deal with random thoughts that are wrong. Learn to think about your thinking. Sometimes thoughts come into my head. They come into my head when I'm preaching sometimes. It's almost like a dog and a squirrel. I'm like, where in the world did that random thought come from? You know, you, you can't help it when that happens. But here's what you can do. You can be aware of it when it happens, and you can put a stop to it when it happens. By prayer, by, cro- by quoting scripture, and by getting your focus on the right thing. You do control. You can't control every single random ridiculous thought that comes into your mind, but you do control whether or not you continue to think about it. Number two under that, set aside thinking time. The Bible calls it meditation. Look, we set set aside time for studying. We set aside time for exercise. We set aside time for entertainment, for playing games, for hobbies, all these different things. Set aside time to learn to discipline yourself to think. Here's a simple challenge. Read one chapter of Psalm and then make yourself think about it for five to ten minutes. Just think about it. Turn off your cell phone, turn off your TV, and just meditate on that. Set aside time to think through your marriage, to think through your children, to think through your job situation, to think through the current environment and what it is, our, what our attitudes ought to be. Set aside thinking time. And then think through the filter that we have in Philippians 4. Number three, put good things in your mind to think about. The reason some of God's people have such a hard time with your thoughts is because you put so many improper things in them. Too much negative, too much wrong information, too much distracting information, even if it isn't wrong in and of itself, can affect your thinking in a a wrong way. Guard what you put into your mind. Allow yourself to receive things that are good, like daily Bible reading, music that focuses on the Spirit, that focuses on God. That focuses on his truth and protecting yourself from negative voices, protecting yourself from sinful voices, protecting yourself from evil. The the more you have in your mind that is proper, the more good you'll have to think about. Triumphant thinking helps to produce triumphant living. If we will think the right way, it will help us to live the right way. So give effort to thinking right, to controlling your thinking, and maybe tonight and in the next couple of days, spend some time thinking about your thinking. Please join me in prayer for just a moment. There's not a way for me to know this. I just, I want to ask the question. You're obviously not going to raise your hands. But with with your heads bowed and your eyes closed as Alex begins to play. I want to ask this question, and I'm going to ask it in a very general way. And then you answer it, yes or no, in your own heart. I struggle with my thought life. There's an area of my thought life that I struggle with. It might have to do with lust might have to do with worry, might have to do with anger, might have to do with resentment, might have to do with being crowded, crowding it with too much information, spend way too much time consumed with this coronavirus. I'm not, I'm not saying that we shouldn't think about it. I'm saying that's all we think about. I spend too much time worrying about this. I spend too much time with anger. Spend too much time thinking about my past failures. I spend too much time thinking of the past failures of others. God wants you to live a triumphant life. God doesn't, God didn't want those sisters in Philippians 4 being consumed with strife, but that's all they were, that's what their thoughts were consumed with. I've got to have my way, and I don't like her, and I don't like how she is, and I don't like what she said. You've got to control what you think and how you think about it and how much you think about it. So while I let the piano while the piano plays, take a moment. And if God has convicted you about your thoughts in some way, then spend a moment with him in prayer. Thank you very much for tonight, and thank you for the opportunity to assemble and to be around your word, Lord. I pray that you would please uh, help us to work at our thinking and to think about our thinking. And tonight, God, if one of your sons or daughters is struggling with their thought life, Lord, I pray that you would help them. And obviously, there are certain things that require a great amount of mental attention at times. But, Father, it's also true that we can be imbalanced in that. And then there are there are times when we are thinking sinfully. And I pray that you would help people with that as well. And then there's sometimes people are living under the shadow of things that are in the past. And, and they just, they won't quit thinking about it. And, it may, and honestly, Lord, it, it's hard not to think about it. And I pray that you would help them to be able to get those things under control and to allow their thoughts to be yielded to the power of Jesus Christ. So thank you, Lord, for the time. Pray that your truth would be helpful to your people. Please bless the rest of this week. Continue to help us to navigate these days. Please keep each one safe and protect. And God, give wisdom for navigating each situation that we deal with. In Christ's name I pray, amen. All right, thank you again for being with us tonight. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be with you and to be able to share the Word of God with you and to praise His name. I look forward to being with you on Sunday. Please remember a couple of things about this weekend. Number one, stay engaged with each other. And don't forget about the team color competition, taking a, taking a photo, repping the colors of your team and sending in a fun, doing it, doing something fun together And sending that to Brother Z. Don't forget about the wedding for Caleb and Macy at 3 p.m. on Saturday. If you don't have anything else going on, that would certainly be, find a way to be an encouragement to them. And then just knowing that some are watching will be an encouragement to them. And pray for them as they start this new chapter of life together. It's an exciting time for them in spite of everything else that's going on. It's very exciting. And then uh, pray for Brother Frank and Miss Wanda Wood as they're making their way. Here and then Brother Frank will be preaching on Sunday, and so please be praying for him. I love you and look forward to being with you on Sunday through our live stream. God bless you. Have a great night.